What is good, everybody? My name is Tim Karen. This is the Performance Health Podcast. We're on web show number 13. We're talking coaching evaluation with Sean Hayes. One of the things I really want to get across in all of this podcasting and web shows and curriculums is a very objective way to train and evaluate coaches. I find our industry in itself is too reliant on subjectivity. And I feel, unless we address the elephant in the room, that we're not going to progress and transcend to a higher level as an industry. So this is going to be a really important episode, not only for hopefully yourself, the listener, but to set the stage for a lot of things we really want to work on with performance health in the next coming year. If you are not a member to the PH curriculum, you can sign up for a membership at phpodcast.com. It gets you access to all of our modules, all of our web shows, video format, transcripts, suggested resources and articles, as well as 50 modules diving into nutrition, movement, training, and coaching, which will be really helpful for you if you're trying to understand how to optimize your career, maybe dive into some subjects that you haven't really been exposed to, and then get access to a network and a forum that allows you to ask questions and accentuate some of the areas that are maybe neglected in other parts in terms of continued education. Sign up for a membership at phpodcast.com. Let's get into coaching evaluation with Coach Hayes and Corey Hobbs. Okay, Tim, we're talking coaching assessment today. And right up front, why do we need to assess our coaches? Think about have you ever been assessed as a coach yourself? When I think about how we're evaluating each other, this peer-to-peer thing, a lot of it is stemmed from just being hypercritical. I don't know if that's conducive to improving the industry. Look at other models. And I'm not trying to sit there on the same level as a surgeon, but I think there's a lot more objectivity to the what they do off of feedback. And did you make the right incision? Did you do the right timing? Did you make the right decision in a moment that was critical for that person's life and safety? A lot more at stake, obviously, but the same token of like, how are we with precision evaluating each other, right? And simple things like, hey, did that coach start the session on time? Mm -hmm. Did they hold the athletes accountable to going through the full workout with technique and maintenance of at least an idea of what the goal of the program was. Did they explain properly? Did it demonstrate properly? All these elements that, quite frankly, if we don't have some sort of diagnostic to assess or appraise if we're doing a good job or not, we're kind of just associating time with improvement. And I don't know if that's a really great practice because the the element that I – genuinely really want to know. And this is something that I'm always very curious about of my program that I crafted from all this input. We just went through months and months and months of how do we evaluate from movement to physiology to power, all this stuff and use that as a pretense to write a program that's perfect for that situation. And then I get to the end and that program didn't reach a goal of raising the level of KPIs or OKRs, whatever you're using. And I go, well, it was just a bad program. The other element from a reliability standpoint was it was poorly executed. 
And there's not much of a conversation around that, mm-hmm. right? There, there's not much an element associated with how we do things and how we're doing those things at a consistent and repeatable manner. And one of the things I talk about with all of our coaches is this eye test, right? This, what does it look like if we turn the sound off? And, and would it look like a session that that one person's running and has command of the room? Was it look like a person, it look like a session that everyone in that room understood the assignment and was executing to the best of their ability? Would it look like a session that if there was some sort of limitation, meaning there's pain or restriction, that a coach has the appropriate way to modify or amend the plan that's still consistent with what we want to accomplish and we're all moving net closer collectively, whatever rate that is allowed for as best as we possibly can. Essentially looking at each training session, fractal out, being really quality over a microcycle, mesocycle, and then macrocycle to get the best possible outcome. And then we start to look at the process of, let's say still didn't reach that outcome and we appraised every single day on whatever metric or scale that we're trying to do. And we can rule out execution as a limiting factor. And I have a better understanding of that pretense or that premise of my programming was either well thought out or maybe poorly thought out. And I can disassociate between whether my belief or my association with the testing I did and the tools I have and what I think is going to bring the most value was correct or wrong. And as a person now that programs for hundreds of people working through what I call my mediums of the boots on the ground, executing on a plan that I'm writing out for them. And if we get to an outcome of maybe not as much improved performance or no performance or actually decreasing in performance that we agree upon is important for our clients and our athletes and executions where it should be. I got to look at myself and say, I got to do a better job programming. But if I don't know what the execution is, I really can't give myself credit or blame. Right. So it boils down to accountability. And would you say there's a big difference in assessing your coaching staff or your coach coaches in general versus assessing your overall strength conditioning program as a whole? Yes. And as a whole, I think when we're looking at programming, disassociated from coaching, the absence of principles and the no consideration of rules probably would be a very clear and objective way to say your program's not well thought out or adequate or inferior, right? So if you don't have principles of progressive overload, progression, individuality, specificity, reversibility, and diminishing returns, which are the six foundation principles from an SCA, I can immediately say without hesitation, your program's not adequate, right? And there's no rules based off of your weight room. Like you have 12 racks and you have 36 kids, three to a rack, like those constraints that we have to apply based off our environment, the sports we're working with, the time of the year, like the association with there's going to be some parameters we have to abide by based off the conditions presented within our setting. Okay. Well, I can automatically, automatically say that your programming is, is inferior, right? Or is not going to get the job done. Now, on the other end, from a coaching perspective, the real question that we're trying to answer here is what is good? What is bad? Like, how do we create this almost binary distinction of what a good session is or a bad session? Do we rely on subjective evaluations from my athletes or the coaches that I work with? You know, I'll tell you this, if you're anything that's decent with people, meaning you're interesting or you're compelling or you're fun or you're just really, really compassionate, you're probably mm-hmm. going to have a really good 
impact on the people around you, right? We are in the benefactors of working in a very net positive relationship, right? We're always working on the, on the front end of what could be. And that should have a, a very positive connotation with that. And if you can't make a direct impact on your athletes or clients that's positive, probably need to do some internal deep dive. But I think that's a weak measurement for appraising a coach. I, I really can't tell if a coach is good or not based off the user or athlete's subjective assessment of that coach, right? I love that coach. He always brings the juice. It's not a great diagnostic. I can't work off of that, right? So if I'm trying to evaluate the efficacy of my programming and I'm going off my athletes really liking me or my staff, I don't know if it's a fair, easily dissectable type of interaction or assessment to break down that. So how do we get objective? What has to happen during a session? And the thing that I look at it from this context of, it's always going to fall into these camps of, do you need to motivate? Do you need to encourage? Or do you need to hold accountable to a standard? Or are you a like technician with how you do everything, right? This incredible demo to relentless pursuit of doing it correctly. And they're all really important traits for a strength conditioning coach. And in some way, we have to wear our motivation hat. We have to wear our accountability hat. We have to wear our technician hat. And with all that being said is there's not a simple answer here to say that one superior to other, because there's going to be a sliding scale depending on the time of day, time of year, the setting that you're working with. If I'm working with youth athletes, maybe holding them accountable might be the best case, but it easily can be argued to keeping it fun, mm-hmm. right? In any scenario that could flip like that. And you can ask a veteran coach, like, just keep it simple, have fun, you know, like that. That could be good until it's not because we've worked with kids that are completely unstructured and chaotic and they're not getting much value from that time. You know, so there's always going to be a fluctuating aspect of it. Technique doesn't really change that, right? We can look at it from, I'm going to look at this motivation accountability spectrum and say, any moment we have to toggle that up or down to one direction or the other. But technique shouldn't, right? And I think that's the part where I start to look at is what do we actually have control over, right? And then we look at technique and you get into the the anthropometrics of body size and you look at the biomechanics associated with that, like tall people move differently than short people and wide people move differently than narrow people and people with poor motor patterns or restrictions or pain move differently. Agreed, 100%. We've just established that for the last three months. But there's always points where we can have continuity from person to person. Right. How do we approach the bar? Like that is something I think is very controllable and very repeatable. Right. And I could look down the room and a really clear example of this when we start to do weightlifting and you see 10 different iterations for how people approach their stance. Right. So you might see someone do a lot of like feet dragging, trying to get hyped up for it. They might grab the bar and pull. They might grab the bar, roll it out and pull. They might pick it up slow and then try to gain momentum by bouncing against their thighs. I think there's a lot uh, more control off of that. And then the end point of that, right? How do they receive the bar in their shoulder overhead? And you could probably get a sense why I like weightlifting so much is because I think it really tests what do I actually have control over? Such a fast, violent movement with so many variables like heavy weight, a lot of people walking in front of you, especially in a team setting. You know, they're, they're, the argument that you shouldn't do it will always be there, right? Because the conditions are not very favorable. But I do think there's a, 
a true litmus of your ability to have an impact on your athletes by controlling what you have control over. And that will have a direct influence on what you would do during the actual lift. So if I can get their stance, right, if I can have a uniform stance, and the analogy I always give is like shooting a free throw, three dribbles, set, shoot. And when we get into our stance, it's step, step, grab the bar, brace, tuck your chin, pull. That kind of cadence, right, this robotic cadence and the setup. Same thing with a squat, right? You have people get the bar and they have a variable position on their back. They have their hands in different positions, their eyes are in different position. Then they pull the bar out, they have happy feet, and then you never know when they're about to descend into their first squat. And they have to adjust their feet, right? And when we look at it from this very simple pretense of you probably have a lot more direct influence on biomechanics when the weight is lighter. So when we're warming up and how we do something is how we do anything. So if we warm up, very inconsistently. We're probably not going to be very consistent when we get heavy, fast, or long. And I think these moments of clarity are always there, right? Like be robotic in the parts that you can be controlled of, right? So how they receive that bar in Olympic left the same context. Like, do they catch it and just drop it? Or is it this like fast rack and down? Like, can they absorb, demonstrate they have control of the bar when it's really light? Probably increases their bandwidth to do that. And that just being disciplined as a coach, right? Like catch, hold, hold down that kind of conversation and just being relentless with there's one way to pull the bar and catch the bar in between you're tall you're short you're great second pole you have a great first pole i don't that's always going to be open for open for discretion and like that coach's discretion how we want to get that done or well but there's another element that even in between and this is from a weightlifting coach tomas ferris is like weightlifting is all about keeping it close keeping it fast and catching it deep, right? Imagine if we just had that three criteria description of what's a good lift or not, right? And in, in international standards, did you catch it over your head and did you stand up with it with your elbows locked? Like that is the breakdown. Now on the other end, what's a good lift in a college or a high school setting? No, that, that could be variable, right? And I think that's not a great way to approach how should we assess and appraise coaches. And as we start to look at it from, okay, well, do we have a conversation internally with our staff about what is the appropriate way to grab the bar? What is the appropriate way to get into your stance? What's the appropriate way to receive that bar? What's the appropriate way to pull the bar out and get ready for a set of squats, front squats, back squats, safety squat, or bench, or even doing a pull-up, right? How many times do you see people get to this like semi-bent position and pull back up? Like, nope, nose through, pause, and pull. And as a coach, that's your moment of influence. It's not encouraging them during the set. They have it or they don't. Like probably when they're under load, it is going to be whatever it is that they default to from what they've repeated over and over and over again is going to be their technique. Their motivation is probably going to be there. You know, they just rise into the occasion because I just want to do it now all of a sudden. It's going to be completely reliant on the default mechanics you do something with over and over and over again. From the warm-up set, from the teaching progressions, from the the elements of other movements that might facilitate better movement, right? Like the pickup RDLs, like, like an idiot. And I descend down, like, I don't care. Like, how is that going to impact your hand claim? Right. And that, that to me is the real, the real way to evaluate coach is to say, what is the criteria in which you describe a good stance, good receiving position, all these moments that we have control, right? And one of the things you can hear me saying over and over and over again is you have control of three things, your hands, your eyes, and your feet, no matter what. 
So if I can control those three things at all times, my chances of improving technique go up. And there's going to be restrictive factors, right? I might have a limitation of a joint. I might have poor structural structural balance. I might have poor force length, poor force velocity. Okay, great. These are developing qualities, but it has to be off the foundation of really good technique. And there is such thing as good and bad technique, just like there's such thing as good and bad food, right? Bad technique is bad technique. We know that. And we know that lifting with bad techniques will lead to an outcome that we don't want, pain, injury, and decreased performance. You just have to develop what is good technique. You have to create that standard, like full range of motion with a position that we need to be in from a torso perspective or knee alignment or in a squat or a shin alignment during a hinge. Like I have a pre-selected criteria of what's good and bad. And my staff knows that. They have to know that because they're going to be held accountable to that. And when I look around the room and I say very poor execution, they know what that really comes from. So to come back to your regional question, of how do we describe good strength conditioning? You know, programming, we have objectivity, principles and rules. And then with coaching, we have objectivity between good and bad technique and the consistency and the, the full spectrum of everyone in that room executing with good technique is a real, real value of a strength conditioning coach. Can I get 100 people doing it the way we want, what we can control? every single day throughout a, a training a training session, microcycle, mesocycle, and up to a macrocycle determines whether that was a good or bad coaching job or not. Yeah. And it, it should be really clear, like, hey, this is what your RDL should look like. I find myself having these conversations with, with my coaches because I have a sport coach in here with me. It's like, hey, this is what it should look like. If it looks wrong, it's probably wrong. So, like, let's get that back flat. Let's make sure they're pushing that butt back, keeping the bar tight. And it's usually like, okay, I think we can handle that. But just having those clear objectives makes it easier for everyone in the room to understand, okay, this is what execution looks like. Yeah, for sure. All right. So for me being a high school teacher, I kind of get obsessed as a teacher, which I think is kind of helpful. One, I get an outside viewpoint of, of someone not in strength and conditioning evaluating me. But have you seen any good tools or assessments for coaches specifically? So you froze on that question. Can you repeat the question? Uh, yeah. So I get assessed as a teacher, which is helpful. I get outside viewpoints from people not in strength and conditioning, but it's still pretty much it's objective. Or have you seen any good tools or assessments for coaches specifically? Not unless you commit to it yourself, right? Because to be completely frank, I think a lot of strength and conditioning coaches hide. Mm -hmm. They don't want to get fully evaluated because they get exposed, myself included. And I feel that pressure, right? It's tough to get evaluated. It's tough to get critically evaluated by people outside of that. And I get evaluation every single day from my members. They can decide not to pay me and pay me. Those right. are their choices. They have complete autonomy in where they go. They come to the gym and they pay me or not. So I have a really good evaluation there. And I can tell you if it's a good experience and a lot of it's customer service, a lot of them just being friendly. But I also say if they're not getting better or they're getting hurt objectively, they're probably not going to stay, right? So that's the dynamic at play. But how do we replicate that in the team setting? That's a really good question when we think about are you comfortable being evaluated? Like if so a third party were to come in and said, I don't really think that was very good, how would you handle that? And how would you expect that to be graded, right? I just didn't feel like there was a lot of energy or I didn't feel like there was a lot of enthusiasm, you could agree with that or disagree with that, but that's a, that's a perspective. And you could start, say, what is energy and enthusiasm? And when was that supposed to be located? Like zero to 60 minutes, high energy, high enthusiasm, 
or a very focused, localized period of high energy or high energy utilization when it really mattered, right? A movement prep isn't probably the most important part to expend a lot of energy. A lot of people will perceive it that way. On the other end, we get into the, hey, a third party that I have a mutual respect for came in and said, my execution was poor. And I think auditing is something that I'm probably really good at because I'm I'm pretty objective with the way I think things should flow and how they should organize in a training session. But do you have that internally or externally with someone like me? Come in and say, I think your weight room organization is poor. I think your I think your flow from one station to the next is poor. I think your execution when you're actually within the session is poor. I think you probably need to do this and this to fix your program. And you can take that information or not. And that is the root of, is there a good evaluation or not? The answer is probably no, because a lot of strength conditioning coaches, and I would be very much showing part of that camp, very uncomfortable getting objectively evaluated and it's never easy and i would say if you don't want to bring an outsider in because you don't trust them or you don't value them you need to develop an internal system of everyone peer-to-peer review of what you think is a good session because you guys collectively should have the same mission and same goal if your staff all fairly or all agrees upon a set standard of the which way you should do something you should be very comfortable receiving feedback from that person, whether it's a subordinate to a superior or a superior to a subordinate, that no one is impervious to feedback and review. And my job as a manager every single day, week, month, and year is to support my staff, giving them the right tools, knowledge, and opportunity to be successful. And their job is to use those tools, learn that knowledge, and then be successful by working their ass off. And if they are coming up short in certain areas, okay, I got to give direct, honest feedback to improve those areas. If I'm coming up short in certain areas, they need to give me objective feedback to say, you need to improve those areas. We all collectively have a job to do and just some have more of a bigger impact in certain areas, right? Like my coaches have that impact on our clients and athletes. I have impact on our coaches. And top, bottom, bottom up, doesn't really matter. Everyone's got tangible things they need to do on a given day. And if it's not where it needs to be, you need to fix it. You need to get out there in front of that before it's a bigger problem. And then everything gets better, right? You're building off a foundation of what's good. And then after that, you have exponential improvement. You mentioned the eye test, which is one I use a lot. It's like, if I look down, is everyone executing? I think that's a really good one. But have you used any like formalized internal systems or how do you assess your coaches? So kind of similar to what the last question was, but very objective things, right? So if I'm going to give you a grade, it has to be one agreed upon and then two easily understood, right? Can it be a yes, no? How many yes, no questions can we get? That's kind of my my standing thing of like, can I make this as clear and agreed upon? Did they or did they not? Like making Almost it black a and white. Exactly. And you look at it from very simple things. Like, did they start the session on time? A lot of people will take that for granted. And if they didn't, what was in your control about it, right? They came late from practice. 
Okay, can we get out in front of that? Because that can create a, a bottleneck effect later, right? Because that group runs late or they don't get the full workout time. So if I know I have a team, team routinely showing up late from practice, can I do two things? Can I communicate to that head coach? It's important that we get to the weight room on time because it impacts them and then everyone else around them. Or two, get over to the practice field and then walk them over to the weight room so they don't lollygag. Because a lot of times this stuff is fixable. And we just don't think it is. We're just reacting to they're late again. They don't care. Very likely so. But the truth of the matter is, and the root root cause of the problem is probably more fixable and malleable than you think. And then going through the session, right? Like the athlete that's disappearing or the athletes that not consistently executing the way that we want. You know, do you hang on that person and sacrifice the rest of the room? Do you find a way to have controllable elements within that room to help that person not be as much of a, a impact negatively on the people around them? Or do you just quarantine them on their own and let them just cannibalize their own results? And there always a, is there always an answer to that situation and having a debrief going, okay, here's an alternate option. Do we think that would have been a better choice in that decision, right? These these moments, these inflection point moments as a strength coach within a session that you have to make a split second decision. Even to the point of like, what is your rationale behind modifying or lateralizing? If I go, ah, I really didn't want to just do front squat today because that person looked like they were tired. How willing are you to do that over and over and over again? Right? The, it's easier to give them something that they kind of want to do as opposed to something that they definitely don't want to do, but it doesn't necessarily make it right. On the other end, you could be making the wrong decision. That's actually kind of productive over time, right? I'm just going to force him to front squat because that's what I said you're going to do, right? You're too entrenched in your mindset. And I think there's always a conversation to have. Like, okay, I found five different critical points during that training session that you made a decision. Let's evaluate that. So there's going to be an objectivity. Did you start on time? Did you get the full workout in? Did you look for good technique? But then there's going to be these moments of, what was your decision in that moment? And what was the process of evaluating that? And could we have made a better decision? And next time, did we change our thought process? Did we think more clearly about it, right? And we have all these situations between military, medicine, even being a a pilot. Like we have all these models that are faced in very complex environments and how they handle it really determines whether people live or die which is great that we're not on that magnitude, but it doesn't change the fact that we should be as serious about being good at what we do as anyone else, any other industry, right? That what we do, what we do as a direct influence on people's performance and potentially their livelihood and potentially their sense of self and their identity. And that's a huge responsibility. It doesn't really have a manifestation into living or dying, at least hopefully not. But on the other end, it has this really important thing of like, we can change the course of someone's life if we just give them structure and accountability and motivation and incentive to do things right over and over and over again. Like what a great platform for young people and anyone to really move forward. And that's kind of what they're paying you for, right? Like what I know is invaluable. It's really, really, really high value, but that pales in comparison to what I can do and what I can get other people to do. And I think that's the part that's often miss is we can hem and haw about who's writing a better program and what's better. But, you know, if you could tell me your program's better, but if it's poorly executed, you're, you're not going to get whatever the job you is done. So the, the balance between 
and it's not art and science. There's a science to technique and execution. It's called kinesiology and biomechanics. It's absolutely a science. Like, let's not sugarcoat this. Like, stop saying it's things that are like, you know, just up the discretion of the, the, of the universe. Like, it's not. It's absolutely not. There's good and bad technique. There's, there's things that we can objectively say is bad and it's going to lead to downstream problems. And if we don't have any rubric for what is good, you're never going to be able to be a really great strength coach until you do that. And the best person to tell you that is an outsider, whether it's your peer or your other assistant or someone that you pay to come in and say, I really want you to break me down. Yeah. The standard you accept is this new standard you set. So being able to really hammer on, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what I expect out of you. Eventually, you know, they'll, they will come along hopefully sooner rather than later, but it, it can be a battle sometimes. Absolutely. All right. Sweet, so man. If, if we were to break it down into how we're assessing coaches, like checklist, like have that objective criteria, evaluate the decision-making. And really, if you are not getting assessed in some way, you absolutely need to make sure you're to do so. Yeah. I would add to it though. The more important part here is what's the follow through mm -hmm. the, the motivational speaker high that you just get incredible enthusiasm and renewed vigor towards life. Like, that's not what we're looking for, right? This short-term, almost like placebo effect from getting evaluated, that doesn't mean anything. You know, like me tearing you apart has no real direct impact on anything other than here's your improvement and here's how you're going to improve upon that. And here's some solutions to fix those problems. But on the back end, did you or did you not improve? Just the same thing with our training, right? We, we are assessing and, and inventorying and appraising the way we do things for the aspect of did we improve or not? And if we didn't, that appraisal is meaningless. So the before and after, making a criteria that is repeatable, right? Like the 10 questions of objectivity. Do we start on time? Do we get all our sets? Do we get all our reps? Do we lift all our reps? With great technique. Do we use threshold weight? Like these lists that we think is important for what is a great session. Did we get done on time? Did we have a negative influence on people around us, like other other teams in the weight room? Like, are they just toxic to be around? You know, they they monopolize the radio. They get focused on the wrong things. Like these things are you you know are going to be a decrement to the overall experience and strength conditioning program. You can quantify that. You absolutely can. And then going off of that, like, how are they handling those? problems whether they're internal from that coach out or they're external from that group to the coach those are really the big markers for success here and if we have a coach and we just literally had a conversation this morning about a coach a coach did poorly talking in front of the group and the point being is we know now that person needs to improve on their presence and their public speaking and here's how they're going to go about doing it. Just practice reps, getting in front of like other coaches, getting in front of maybe some of our staff in general and trying to give them the workout and getting direct feedback. Like you used a lot of filler words. You didn't look at the actual people. You read off the board. Yeah. You got hung up at this part of the workout because you didn't really know what the workout was. You don't do the workout yourself. Like all these things, like here's how you're going to improve upon that. And then we'll revisit. And you get another opportunity. We're going to evaluate that grade from one to the next. And did we make improvement? Okay, we made the right suggestions and we gave the right plan to improve upon that. Yes or no. 
And I always look at it from, okay, I got a person that can bench 135 pounds, can't do a pull-up, barely can run a five-second 40. looks like I have one way to go. Same thing with a coach that is really awful in front of a group and can't coach a room and can't control a room. I have one way to go, and here's how I'm going to help that person. I look at the same way I look at coaches. I look at athletes. Like I got to help them improve and I got to give them a plan. I got to have a plan based off a really dialed in inventory of what I'm doing. And then I get evaluated based off their improvement. Me, the person who reviewed them and gave them some sort of improvement plan. And if they don't make improvement, it was an execution problem or actual intervention problem. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, ultimately we're here to help people, whether that's other coaches or athletes, it, it needs to, we need to be held accountable basically yeah. is, is the simplest way to put it, man. This, sure. this was a really good one. So thank you for this. I thought it was great. Awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you, man. We got my guy, Sean here next. So excited to get him talking about this. Yeah. He's high energy, Sean. He's he'll, he'll run the room for sure. Oh, for sure. No one's, no one's challenging that guy. All right, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. you. All right. Thanks Tim. Before we talk to coach Hayes, I want to talk to you about two big focal points of performance health, our books and our courses. We have two books, How to Become a Strength Coach, which is how you periodize your career in strength conditioning, and Strength Deficit, how to leverage eccentric versus concentric ratios. If you bought the books, one, thank you. Two, there's still a lot more to unpack. Both of those books have courses available for them at phpodcast.com that dive into how to apply as well as how to think about some of these concepts we talked about in the books to accentuate learning. So if you haven't done so already, Head over to phpodcast.com, click the links at the top of the webpage that dives into what the courses go into, as well as how it will benefit your learning from the book. So if you like the books and you want to keep diving deeper, head over to phpodcast.com to learn more. Holy crap. What is up, Sean? How we doing? All right. What's up, baby? Woo! Yes. Yes. Podcast. Yes. Woo! Yes. <laughs> All right. So we're talking coaching eval. So let's get into it. What do you think are some of the attributes you really look for in a strength conditioning coach? Man, I really like the, when, when, when they're hungry. Okay. And they want to learn and, and the ability to, to seek that education to ability to ability to like never stop learning. That is a huge attribute. I'm not sure how, how you quantify it, but you can, you could see them. Are they going to seminars? Are they, you know, hey, are they are they changing the way their program is, or are they still the same programs? Does the weight room look the same? Does it is it everything kind of the same from three, four, five years ago? And and so I would say, hey, that's a huge one because right then and there, you tells you a lot about about someone's you know you know willingness to to get after it, willingness to learn, and and how how they're going to attack the job. So I really like. I really like that one. You know, one of the things I think about a lot is how long you've been in your role, right? So you and I both have been somewhat of a director for the better part of a decade now, like in terms of your experience with NXT and now XFL, mine at Army West Point and then Allegiant. And you're the the point of what is good, right? The You determine, you're the judge and jury of what, you think are admirable qualities for all coaches and just your answer right there just kind of struck me as you're a coach that really admires coaches that self-improve are focused on growth are focused on evolving in a positive direction would you say that's fair for you and what you're looking for for a lot of your coaches 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, every coach is different. And, you know, we all have we all have different things that we bring to the table. Some are some are really good at, you know, have strengths, have weaknesses. But really, when you come down to it, like, do you. Are you excited? Right. Are you excited about the job? Do you want to be in that position? And then, like, are, are you willing to to grow, learn? Hey, maybe, you know, take this course. Are, are you doing continuing ed? Are you want to take this program to the next level? That type of stuff. I mean, that, that, that says a lot. Everyone does that in their own way. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and not everybody's the same exact person, but with their own personality. Yeah. You can say, you know, Hey, this person's excited to, to be here. All right. They're excited about this, this position. They believe in this, this league or this job, this organization. And they want to continue to get better as, as, as a coach, because that only trickles down to the athletes. If I'm doing the, you know, it could be something as simple as changing up your program. If I'm doing the same workouts as a coach and I, let's just say I'm a, I'm an Olympic lifter and I haven't changed Olympic lifting and, and I'm the same old program and this is what I do, I do, and I'm not experimenting myself, then, Hey, you know, is that going to trickle down into our athletes? Right? Like, you know, May, I don't know, maybe it, maybe it won't, but something like that is, you know, you can, that kind of gives you an idea of, of how they are and, you know, are they willing to kind of do different things and not to say that they, you know, have to do certain things, but that look, that's a tell for me, like, Hey, are they willing to kind of get out, get out outside of their norm, learn a little something new. And then the other thing is, man, are they excited to be there and are they happy to, to be at work? Because if they're not, I don't care how good you are. It's, it's, it's not going to work out for too long. You know, you know, you've had some interesting situations where you don't really have this complete funnel to everyone wanting to work in the situation. You get a lot of really cool, interesting people, but you've had to really stretch your imagination on what is the criteria for a strength conditioning coach, because you're not getting a pipeline of people if you're working the NFL or, power five college with football with nxt and now xfl you're getting a different a different applicant so what are some like characteristics that you have have really sought out after in terms of hiring in these really unique environments now and what is like i guess parlayed into being successful long-term wise within your staffs yeah that's i think the characteristics you you know, you, you kind of look for or, or questions you want to answer, right? Let's say you're on an interview, you know, the questions that you want to answer it is, you know, can they do the job? Do they want the job? Mm. And can you see yourself working with that person? You know, if you can answer those three questions about it, you know, and, and then I think like that, you feel good about, about that, right? So like, it, can you, can they do the job? Are they competent? Right? Like, like, yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, that might, that might be a stress, you know, that, that might be a, a oversimplification, but that's important. Can they do this job? Are they going to be able to control the room? Are they going to be able to write programs or, you know, are they going to be able to, you know, have a little bit of juice and command and, and, and Hey, Hey, we got to do this. Let's go. You know, are they be able to do that? So that's important. Do they want the job? Right. Do they, you know, you know, they have, a, do they have some excitement? Do, maybe, maybe they're coming from somewhere in the, in the past where it's like, this is a step down and it's like, they don't really, 
you know, maybe they don't really want it. Or are they coming from somewhere down here and it's a step up and they already attacked this and they already knocked this out of the park. So yeah. like that, that's like, you know, that's important to know. And then can you see that yourself working with them? Do they got a little juice? Do they got a little personality? You know, like, is it, you know, is it, are you easily kind of strike conversation? You know, are they, you know, that, that type of thing, because, Hey, you're going to be with the, with these people a lot. So I think if you answer those three questions, you feel pretty good about, you know, pulling a trigger on it. I don't know if it comes down to this exact attribute or this exact characteristic, but if you can kind of, you know, take those three questions and and feel good about those, then, you know, you know, that, 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 that helps. <clears throat> now, are you, after you hire them and they go through whatever onboarding you have, are you giving them benchmarks to hit as a coach of like, Hey, I want you to go through this course or read this book or go through this potential like curriculum I created, or hey, I want you to be able to demonstrate this in front of another coach. What is the criteria to get more when you're looking at a staff? Like why would you give someone a promotion or a raise relatively speaking of someone else? Yeah. So the first year, when we did this, it was, it was, let's, let's get these people in and let's, let's see how it plays out. Right. We, 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 we weren't really sure about how this league was going to look. We weren't really sure of where we, we know we had this idea of wanting to use all this tech. We didn't really see how, how is it actually going to be able to be done? <laughs> Two teams, one mm. strength staff and a tent, you know, it's cold in Arlington, you know, like let's, let's not put too much out there because we just need to get these guys in. We need to get the tents on, the generators on. And like, that's more important than, than maybe getting the force play jumps. But as bad as we wanted to do that, let's see who did it well. And let's see how this thing plays out. And then as we did that, and we come into the off season, you see it, you know, I'm there every day. I'm at these facilities. Okay. Now I'm like, we're going to write an onboarding playbook and we're going to help these coaches that come on board because you know what? You know what? You know what? None of these coaches knew going into the season one. They didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Right. And how can we better help our coaches that come on board in this league? Man, let's give them a freaking playbook. Right. Let's tell them exactly how it's going to be. Let's. Hey, this is your data. This is what your day will look like. This is what we'd like you to to try to accomplish. Right. We'd like to get jumps in once a week. We'd like to get grips. We'd like to get catapult units on these guys. Try to stay away from demands, but like, hey, make it exciting, man. Like, we want to get this done, right? Like, this is this is what this is our 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 belief. You know, this is our kind of like our 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 values, our principles. So we kind of wrote this playbook up to try to help these coaches kind of get an idea of what to expect. And right, as opposed to saying, you got to do this, and I expect you to bop, 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 bop. You're like, hey, this is our plan of attack. What do you think about this? You cool with this? You like that? Oh man, yeah. Okay, let's get let's get them excited about it and 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 kind of help them along the way. Like, hey man, during training camp, hey, we got a couple options here. Check this out. Make this your own way, but we want to have velocity based tools on the on the main lift. You cool with that? Yeah, that way it helps us making sure we're moving fast. We're not doing too much. And then once we're in the season, hey, what about this? We're going to use velocity based on on these, on these lifts. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like that. I can make that my own way. I can put my own flavor on that, but it's kind of like our playbook and this is what to expect. This is our, this is kind of like what we believe in. This is kind of what our 
philosophy is, why the tools we're using, and still allow them some freedom to to do it their own way. You know, so that that's what we're going to be doing going into in the season two is is have them read this playbook and kind of just get people excited about it. You know what I mean? Like, let's go over this thing together. You know, poke some holes in it, but spend a lot of time creating it and and let's get some excitement about this going into the season to to better help them because like I said last year nobody knew what to expect and hey if we can make this thing better we can help our coaches by letting them know what to expect and 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 how how, how it's going to go a little bit I mean for the record no one knows what to expect ever so the yeah. the dynamic that we do is is a lie but when you were describing that hey here's our benchmarks we're trying to accomplish within a good week you know this get your your four stack or get your grip get your catapult let's let's track some velocity you know giving some sort of this is what we want it reminded me of and I just three books right off the top with shoe dog where Phil Knight was talking to his top sales guy, Johnson, and he kept writing him letters like, hey, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. And he kept quoting Pat and he says, don't tell him how to do it. Tell him what to do and see what happens. That is the first like thought that came to my mind. The second one is Yvonne Chouinard and Let My People Go Surfing. This idea of all I am is a guy that just made clothes and apparel for climbing rocks. And I am not a business. I'm not a business person. I'm not a manager. I'm not a leader. You're going to have to figure that out for yourself. And the third one is conscious capitalism, but for the, the founder of Whole Foods, this idea of just because it, the original kind of co-op worked in Austin doesn't mean it'll work everywhere else. So giving this latitude to get, embedded into the community to add flair and see what happens. So Whole Foods as it stands today is this aggregate of all of the micro iterations these new locations have added or what that actual manager in that location look, let's add a brewery, let's add a bar, let's add, let's add this food service, let's add this, let's add sushi. And what it serves today is this almost melting pot of ideas and things and as we talked about last year, I don't know, like you probably went into it of, I don't know how this is going to play. I kind of know what I know we need to do to be successful. So let's give some really general high level things that we want to accomplish, but let's not force it and let's kind of see what happens. And off of that, you have some criteria. Now I, there's some like learning experiences that hopefully we can go into of, what if they didn't do that? Or what if they didn't really agree with that management or leadership style and wanted more direction or just give me a very violent checklist or I'm not going to do it? You know, how, how did you interact with your staff on these high level things that you want to accomplish within a day or week, a month? And what happened if they didn't abide by it? Yeah, you know, definitely some learning experiences you know, it was, it was tough because at one, everyone's different, you know, uh, you know, if you talk to, you know, some coaches, they would have, Hey, I didn't, you didn't say you had to do this, this, this. Right. And I'm like, man, freaking should have gave those, should have wrote it out specifically, you know? And then some were like, man, I got, you know, I can't do that because I got freaking, you know, we're traveling to practice and we're getting rained out. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, you know, so 
it, it was tough. As as much as you wanted to to have that written out, because hey, one guy said it wasn't written out, and yet, but it's like if it is written out, then what happens when the unknown happens and it's you got a freaking ice storm? It's like where's your compassion at? It's like let's make the main thing the main thing. Let's just get these guys lifting. So it was a struggle for me because here I am. I'm like this is how I would do it. You know, I'm going in there. I'm imagining. I'm imagining how it was at WWE, you know, man, I, I did it like this, pop, pop, pop. But, you know, I had to really learn a lot and say, it's all about managing people and making sure like, you know, strength coaches, it's their team. And, you know, it's, it's, it's their team and, you know, a lot of egos in coaching, right? Like, so you got to kind of walk that fine line. Like, this is your program, man. I don't want to, I'm not telling you what to do here. But then at the same time, it's like, I got one shot at this. And if I'm going to be the director, yeah, I, I, I want to, I'm going to, this is how I would do it. So it's a little bit of, you know, going into the off season, it was almost like a blessing in disguise. We were, we were having to make a lot of cuts from full time to seasonal. And it was almost, man, it, when we first got that news, it was like doomsday. You're like, oh man, this is, this is not good. But it was almost like a blessing in disguise because now it's like maybe we can get some younger coaches that don't have all that experience. You know, that's probably what we're going to go after. So maybe I can take what I, what I want, right. Some of my philosophies and how I would do it and kind of merge the two a little bit and still make it their own. What's the best of both worlds here. I write a playbook, right. Write this playbook. This is going to help you kind of figure out what to expect. Hey, we all know there's going to be challenges and bumps in the road, but this is your onboarding process, right? This is how I would get my jumps. See how see how that's a lower body lift right there. You 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 put it in the in the in the warm up. That's the best way I've I've seen it done in the team setting. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm trying to help you out, make your job easier. See that grip device when we're doing upper body? It's a good way to sneak that in there. I'm just showing them how what's worked for me in the past, how I saw it, how I came to these facilities every day last year, but what would make their job easier. And then as there, as you kind of get some of these people in that might not have 10 years, you know, of experience anymore, you're almost guiding them. You're almost kind of giving them a blueprint. So that's the kind of idea going into this season is write a, write a manual, do it how you would do it. Allow some freedom. It's not, cut and dry. You got to do it like this. It's more of like, you know, in the playbook, there's hell, there's even options. Hey, you got option A, option B. You want to go total body during the season? You want to go upper, lower? Here you go. Right. So there's, there's some different, there's a, there's a lot of options in there. Right. And it's just more of like a guide to see, here's how to make your job easier from everything you could think of from when you start, when you arrive to Texas, when you leave like every little problem that arose we tried to fit in there and we tried to take some of the lessons that I learned last year which were hey as as much as you want is how I say this without it's like people aren't going to just do it the way you you know you you would do it you know what I mean like you can't just assume that but you're in this position for a reason and it's like, I only got one crack of this. What am I going to do? Just be like, sit back and say, yeah, man, just do it how you want. Like, you know, like then I go, then my, you know, the, my chance at this, it's like, 
it's not that it's mine, but it's like, what did I really help the league? Did I, did I just sit back and say, okay, here's your facility, go? Or should I say, take my experience. I've been in team settings. I've been in the fire. All right. I've used this tech with freaking feel like my head's spinning. I got all these athletes. How was I able to do that? I was able to do it in the, in the lower body warm up. That helped me. Let me put that in the playbook. I was able to do it like this, that's pop, pop, pop. Boom. That helped me. Right. So like, I only use the velocity-based training tool on one lift. Boom, put it in there. That might help these coaches. So, hey, don't bite off more of your chew. Like, take my experiences, put it in a freaking playbook, and and then let's see if that works. So that's kind of the approach going in, as opposed to saying, hey, you know, I'm going to sit back, and this is your show, man. I'm here if you can help. still want to do that, but I want to add a little bit more guidance, a little bit more blueprint to to it if I can. So that that's that kind of that's kind of the approach going into season two. So hopefully hopefully that works. <clears throat> well I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to a lot of what you just talked about because I've been in a role where I've had very wide ranging staff from really, really experienced to very minimal experience at the same time. And one of the things that dawned on me was potentially a lot of the really experienced coaches that I've had were pretty limited with their skill set in more modern strength conditioning, right? The limited exposure to technology, they're, I call them index finger typers. <laughs> we, we, know, we know a guy like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like the, there's a scene from uh, Zoolander 2 where him and Owen Wilson are bad in the side of the... Yeah, 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 yeah. They're bad in the side of the computer. Those guys, right? So you're thinking in terms of, like, if I want to have sports science, if I want to do any hardware or software, they're a liability in a lot of ways. Then you look at it from the young person might be very capable of learning that and they might get more opportunities. But what happens in the middle is the perceived threat and ego from the person that hasn't evolved or wasn't capable of just a lot for them. And they'll say things that are very, I think, diminishing of like, it's all about sets and reps and it's just getting on the floor and coaching. And then you get them on the floor and their skill set is very dwindled to what they were doing as a director. And one of the, the unfortunate things about being a director for 10, 20 years and then getting thrust into an assistant role is you're kind of out of the game and you are the where the buck stops and you're more putting out fires and answering to a higher entity like a head coach or administrator and you're less on the boots in the ground and doing the the progressions or staying in tune with the modernization of strength conditioning performance training so hey i'm gonna need you to coach a station and we're gonna do cars and pails and rails or we're gonna do this fms based corrective or we're gonna do this extensive plyo or this plyometric drill and they either can't demo it don't understand it or don't agree with it and they just simply are a liability there too and what i found in those moments is that's where i go hey Either you can do these things or you can't. And if you can't, I got to let the other person do it. And your skill set, based off your position, is no longer in agreement. Like your experience isn't as valuable as you think it is. And it puts me in a compromised position that where you can't do the basic level things as a strength conditioning coach and you do. And unfortunately, the young person is doing it a fraction of the cost with a lot less gruff or a lot less friction is a better option. And I always go back to 
how do I become objective on that? Right. And I got a, a 30 year veteran strength coach and I'm having them coach in a movement prep station and they can't do it or they won't do it or they just go completely rogue and do something completely off the script, which has happened to me multiple times with people with 30 years of experience and probably two decades plus of head strength coaching experience in the college professional sector. And you go to them, hey, why did you go off script or why did you do something else? Look, did you not agree with it or did you not understand it? And then you go, if you don't agree with it, well, that's a problem. You should have communicated to me before I let you coach that station that you don't agree with it. And we should come to some sort of agreement. And if you don't understand, then I need to fix what I'm doing with you to make sure that you do understand. And then even after all that, if I educate them on how to do it properly, or we have a really good conversation about what is the best for this situation, and they still don't do it, it's saying you don't get that opportunity. And if you don't have that opportunity, there's a large chance that you won't have an opportunity to work for me anymore. And I find those little micro moments to insert yourself and objectively say, you can't do a woman prep or you can't do coach a station or, hey, you can't do hardware or software. You can't do the majority part of our job anymore. So we have to go another direction. And I think that's the part as you're looking through this, you know, the thing that you didn't mention, this is something I think is so important is. At a certain point this time, maybe last year or the year before, you had to get on the table with your, the owners and the people deciding on where you're spending money. Hey, we need force plates. We need GPS. We need velocity. We need grip. We need some sort of timing gate. We need to spend a lot of money on these tools and then get to the actual point where it really matters. And you have a handful of people that may be not interested or maybe not really aware of how to do it. They've kind of aged themselves out and they maybe don't want to show vulnerability of like, hey, I don't really know how to do this. And if I show weakness and say that I don't understand this or know how to do it, then I feel I'm insecure about that, where that insecurity is now coming at direct opposition of, I had to fight really hard to get the stuff and I want to prove it. And I want to be this, this next level. And I want to do the things that we always think we should be doing with with high level football athletes, professional athletes in general, and you're getting whatever reason why you, they're not. And it's like, okay, well, what can you do? And how do I leverage that skill set? Okay, if it's not hardware, software, or data, or sports science, or you know, progressive programming, then what is your skill set? And then if that's the only skills that you have, how valuable is that? And I think that's the part that if we're looking through this and we're trying to get into some sort of outcome, you know careful what you wish for because when you become a director or a head coach in any capacity it's challenging right like there's a lot of hard conversations and a lot of maybe telling people that you've idolized or you admired for a long period of time that they are no longer good at their job and you have to fight really hard to keep them in the game or keep them doing something positive for the program right and you know, a lot of times it falls down to these subjective, like, well, he's just a good guy. Like, he's a good guy. Like, we like him around. Like, he's makes all the players feel good, and we, the coaches love him. He gives us sage wisdom. He's kind of like a consigliere. Like, is that quantifiable return on investment? I don't right. know. You know, right. how much is that worth? Right. And, like, I think that's the part. And if I got a young, hungry guy that I can pay a quarter or and maybe upwards to a half the cost, and they're way more capable or way more motivated or way more intu in intuitive and they can learn stuff a lot faster. I I'm betting on that horse. And I think that's the part that's really difficult about all this and where I would come back to it of the one thing that elder strength coaches are really good at is creating allies. And eventually 
you might have to answer to the fact that this person is no longer capable of doing the job, but it might be a difficult conversation to have with an administrator that somehow they've angled themselves in and said, hey, like, I can train you or oh, I can train your son or daughter or, you know, I get I get dinner with them on Sundays and they're, they're yeah. friends with them or yeah. they're really good at, you know, tying themselves to a coach and making that person feel special. And like all these dynamics are at play. And then when you go, the guy, guy or girl can't do it anymore. It gets really difficult to that. And you got to get ahead on that. And that's where you get burnt early as a young head coach. Like, oh, wow, they're way more strategic and bureaucratic and making allies and, and dynamics that make them more and more difficult to get rid of or move on from or move to another spot. Like, and those are the parts that's really challenging from the, the element and objective. The other thing, the other thing that made it challenging for last year, because, you know, we had we had a, we had some guys that were some experienced guys, and they were great coaches. Man, I'd walk into those weight rooms and I'd see them train their teams, and I'm like, man, that's man, that's awesome. They, the warm up, the the way they were, the, you know, they're flush. I, I would walk in, I'm like, oh man, that's a great idea. They're, this guy's hitting all machines in a flush day. Like that, that's I, sure. I, I was always learning. Yeah. The problem, the challenge was. The XFL was like a an entity. It were all on like the same team, right? And it was hard for these guys that were used to being in the NFL or these college programs were like, hey, I want to gain an edge. Like I'm not like, yeah, we're like they kind of knew it was like one league, but they didn't really kind of understand it. You know, it's like I'm still a part of this team. It's my team. We're gonna win. I'm I don't want any secrets out. And that's hard to do when it's like and, and uh, you know, I didn't do a good enough job of, of explaining it, maybe. But it's like, hey, we're the XFL. We are a league. We want to share data. Like, yeah, I might have, I might put on this logo of whatever these, these two teams are. But really, the the logo that I work for is XFL, mm. and I want to make the league better. And if I and I and I I was excited about that, but some you know some of the some of the coaches they were still in that mentality of like. Hey, I got, well, we're trying to win this freaking championship, and how, how can you blame them? Right? They're used to that's what they're used to. So it was like, I'm not sharing my data. I'm not. I want to. I want to do it like this. Or like, I don't want to jump on force plates because that's going to slow my sets and reps down, man. Like, I don't want these guys thinking about what their jumps is. I just want them going out and playing. So it was like, you know, hey, we're a league here. We work for the league. Okay, we don't work for that team like that team is part of the league we work for the league how can we make this the best how we're player development man like how can we get these guys developed right showing them data if 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 your answer to the to a player in the xfl when a guy comes up to you and says how do i make it the nfl if your answer is like yeah man you just gotta work hard you know like you gotta you gotta eat right like right like you know that answer right like if that's your answer we're doing them a, a disservice so like what can we give them? Let's give them jump force data. Let's give them acceleration versus max velo on their catapult. Hey, see how like your your max excel is good, but your max velo isn't great. Hey, we got to work on more top end. Or your RSI is low, but your jump height is good. You got to get more quick twitch. Like that's some now that is a lot better answer than and maybe it is lifestyle. Maybe it is like, hey man, all your numbers are good. You but you're down on you're down every time you come in the weight room. Like, are you sleeping right? Like, let's give them some objective data. And to me, that like data friendly 
That's a big one, you know? Not like look, you gotta have the art of control in the room. You gotta have the art of caring about the guys, hundred percent, no doubt. But like when you're talking about player development, and that's what our league is, man, if you're not excited about that and like having objective data in order to to give that, that that could be that'd be that'd be hard, you know, for us to 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 work with. Now and now look, here's the thing. I'm willing to go over there and collect this stuff myself. I'm willing to get in a car, drive the facility, do the job. I don't, I'll take it off your hands. But it, it, and that's where the ego comes in. It's like, no, oh, no, it's my team, you know. And it's like that. Hey, let's just we're all one team. I'll let you, you know you're you're doing your thing. Let me go in there, collect the jumps. I'll help you out. And and, and that's that was kind of the some of the struggles I had a little bit. So it's like you know you know again, it comes down to are you. Or do you want it? Do you want to be here? Are you excited about it? Do you or do you want to be information friendly? And you know, and, and you know, ego, man. Like I don't know how to quantify that, but it can it can be a detriment sometimes. Like I know we all got one, but you know, I'm not trying to. I don't care if I'm ever on camera. I don't give a crap about that. I, it doesn't matter to me, you know. But matters is getting this league in that direction of hey information friendly we want more information we have the better decisions we can make and when a kid asks what i what can i do to get to the nfl we should be able to have a good answer for him and and you know and sometimes ego gets in the way of that and you know i mean that that those are some things that i i learn and it's you're constantly learning i hope you know i i take some lessons maybe going into season two or i can do better and for sure you know but but yeah, you know, I think what you're a lot of what you're saying with the experienced coaches, I think it comes down to to ego a little bit. And, you know, it could be a good thing, but it can also hurt you a little bit. You know, if it's like if everything's gotta be about, you know, look, I played I played the game. I played football. Okay. A lot of coaches, a lot of strength coaches, they didn't necessarily like were, you know, all pro or all conference or whatever. I'm not, some of them were, but, you know, made great. But it's like, when, when you don't have that, like when you, do, when you're coming out of that and you have that type of like, I don't know, maybe that's your, 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 your complex or something where it's like, you got to do it our way. It's going to be my program that wins the game. Like it's not, you know, it's like, it's not your program that wins, man. Just take a freaking, hey, what happens happens. And that's how, you know, when the WWE was like, I was always the first to say, hey, what, what matters in WWE is charisma, how they perform in the ring and like what they do in the weight room. I'm just a small little piece of that, you know, like so like that. It's not that I was always the one to like, hey, man, we'll, we'll cut weights quick, you know, we'll get them out of you want you want more ring like always that, you know, so like I always try to not let ego get in the way of things and stuff like that. So like. I think what a little, a little bit of what you're saying is, is, you know, is that too, you know, and it could be a detriment to some of these, some of these coaches. And so for young coaches out there, Hey, don't worry about it, man. It's all good. Look, take a back seat. It's okay. You know, like it's okay to take a back seat, just a little small piece of this puzzle. And the main thing is playing the game, playing their sport. Right. And that, and that's fine. If you never, if you're, you look, let somebody else t- give you the credit. Okay. Don't ever take the credit. It's all good, man. Yeah. Great job. Like let somebody else pat you on the back, you know? And then, and if you kind of take that mentality a little bit, that'll help you 
that'll help you. I think, you know, if I got some advice for, for any young coaches out there, you know, that, that stuff will come. For sure. I mean, and that's, well, I think the part that's so hard about all this is eventually we'll all become elder strength coaches and we either can learn from some of these kind of consistent and, and inevitable shortcomings of being an older strength coach or we can follow the same line and these conversations or having a firsthand look about why we wouldn't have a job in 5, 10, 20 years is probably the first step to making the whole entire profession better. So, Sean, I want to say thank you for taking the time and being so transparent and honest about a lot of the stuff. And I'm sure a lot of it is always difficult to talk about. And thank God we don't have a whole lot of listeners. So if anyone does take exception to this, it's going to be a small sample. <laughs> but uh, it's about no, eight of us that are going to be like, whoa, man, they're going hot takes today. So really good. Well, no, it's, it's all, you know, it's good. You know, you just tell the truth. You know, I didn't, you know, look, I'm, I'm not the, I, I learn from people that are smarter than me. I'm just saying, hey, you know, don't be so, you know, it's not, it's, it's okay to take a back seat a little bit and, and learn and observe and, you know, it's all good. And, but yeah, you know, you know, it's just transparent and, and we can always, always do a better job, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, we go into this thing and, you know, I'm, I'm learning from the, the, the guys around me, the, the, the staff around me and, and it's all, you're only as good as your team and, you know, but, but yeah, just be tr truth about everything. And, you know, in that way, if someone has a problem, it's like, hey, man, I was just telling like it is, you know. Well, thank you, Sean. I appreciate you taking the time, man. And we'll see you here next month. All right, Tim. See you. Can't wait. Again, a lot to unpack there. One of the things I want you to think about with either your position or the people that work with you or around you is what is the standard and how are you upholding that standard? It is a very hard thing to evaluate or be evaluated, but it's really important because it's the only way we know if we're making improvement. Just like we want to do that with our athletes and test our athletes and see what our impact is from training, we need to look at that the same way we talk about developing and working with coaches and developing ourselves. We spend too much time focusing on things that are trivial or necessary. We need to spend more time on improving ourselves to a level that makes us irreplaceable or more valuable. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you guys want to learn more, dive into more resources, head over to phpodcast.com, sign up for a membership of the PH curriculum, get access to over 50 modules, now double-digit web shows, all of the resources associated with that. It is an unbelievable value for you, the strength coach. All right, guys, we'll see you guys next week.